Good morning and welcome back to the Thrive Subscribe Podcast. This is your host, Mike Denniger. Uh, and I'm going to admit that I did lie last week. Uh, we were on summer vacation last week and we did a replay. And we're going to do a replay again today, but this time it isn't because of vacation. This time we're going to be doing a replay because we are going to follow up next week uh, with an implementation uh, podcast regarding uh, the topic of today's replay. Today's replay is actually our first podcast on the uh, Thrive Subscribe podcast, and that was uh, on the topic of technician product verification experiences specifically from uh, pharmacies in Iowa with uh, guest Anthony Pudlow. Next week, we're actually going to, uh, as I said, give you a uh, an update on this with some pointers on how to actually implement that. So the replay is obviously deliberate in this particular case. I should point out that we do have some upcoming topics that we will be uh, playing this fall uh, on the podcast. We're going to be talking pediatric immunizations uh, as well. We're going to start talking about implementation of of uh, some of the uh, basic processes in a uh, thriving pharmacy. Uh, and we're going to uh, have spend some time on a COVID testing uh, summary of uh, the various tests out there and what can and can't be done and what maybe should be considered and not considered. Uh, and then we're going to actually talk about Make Every Encounter Couch later on this uh, this fall uh, and the 10-part series. So we do have some uh, new material coming up soon, so if you'll just uh, bear with us. Uh, this is a replay, as I said, from uh, the first podcast we did, uh, Technician Pharmacy Final Verification Experiences from Iowa. Let's re-listen in. Uh, today I'd like to... Um recognize and, and, and thank uh, Anthony Pudlow um, from the Iowa Pharmacy Association for being willing to uh, come in this morning on an early morning. He's got his cup of coffee with him um, for us to, to talk about an issue that I think is really important uh, to community pharmacy right now. And that issue is um, technician product verification. And I can tell you as a pharmacy that was part of the early work of um, technician product verification in Iowa, that initially it was something I was hesitant about because I know the concern that everybody has about the pharmacist role and, and where is it going and everything else. But I have to say that at being one of the early uh, groups that were part of the transition in Iowa, um, it, it was a very good experience uh, for, for our practice. And it made me realize the importance because it's that next cog that we have to really create to help free up the pharmacist. Now, Anthony um, has been very uh, uh, important and significant in the, in the development of uh, the technician product verification in Iowa and helped to develop a, an educational program, but was also part of uh, the study that was done with the Board of Pharmacy over several years to really demonstrate the value of technician product verification. So, Anthony, thank you for coming here. And, and Anthony is Vice President for Professional Affairs of the Iowa Pharmacy Association. And so, Anthony, I've got a, a question to start this off for you. Sure. Technician product verification is something that's been done in health systems for some time now, but it's a newer concept in community pharmacy. Can you tell me why it's important to develop a technician product verification program for community pharmacy in Iowa? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for the question, and thanks for allowing me to, to join all of you this morning. Um, and it, it's a great question. Um, I, I would only uh, be uh, uh, before I, I guess maybe sharing my comments. I would want to make sure I call attention to the fact that really this is is something that um, 
that didn't necessarily come from me directly. This is really an initiative that came from our members. Um, and, and I think it really gets to the point of your question is that, you know, community pharmacy, when, when this discussion was happening in Iowa, and I know it's been happening across the country um, probably more recently than late, um, is that uh, the, the current model for community pharmacy, it's just not sustainable. And for us, what we had heard in Iowa, primarily from our independent pharmacy owners, was just the current struggle. Um, the, the struggle as a, as a kind of an independent, non-affiliated type pharmacy with um, any other group is how do you compete? How do you, how do you leverage the great services that pharmacists have um, to offer? Uh, and, and make that work in an ever-changing um, healthcare system. There's a lot of great guidance out there from some of our national colleagues about how and where pharmacy fits into that type of changing environment. Um, and while you would say, yes, there's there's great services we can do, the, the ultimate question is, well, how do we actually position pharmacists to, to capitalize on that? So, so that's really where I would say a lot of the discussion came from. And I think... Um, Technician product verification or TPV, or I know some sites still refer to it and some states refer to it as tech check tech. Um, it is something that can be very, very valuable for a pharmacy if if and when the right team members are there. And that's, I think, the most important piece to the whole initiative is um, you need to have you have to have support of the initiative from top to bottom and really even bottom to top um, if you're looking to reposition where that pharmacist is practicing. I appreciate that, Anthony. Actually, you bring up a, a couple of key points I think is important. And one is you talked about the, the current business model in community pharmacy as a dispensing model, as a non-sustainable model. Um, the realization of that is becoming um, uh, realer and realer to me every single day as I see you know reductions in uh, reimbursement overall uh, for yeah. product dispensing, but also DIR fees are just becoming very aggressive. And I'm not sure you know, if the, if the end's in sight anytime soon. Um, obviously, there's a lot of discussion with that legislatively um, but at this point it's it's a it's a dire game plus I know that you know as I look at other pharmacies that are willing to sell it's really interesting if they haven't changed their model the worth of the pharmacy is just not there because they're not bringing any other revenues so it's sad for someone who's put their whole life into creating a, a wonderful practice in, in a town that may be the that may be the only healthcare provider and then mm -hmm. the town loses the pharmacy and I've also had several communities who no longer have a pharmacy. Um, coming to me, asking me to open it up, and, and I'm like, the business model doesn't exist that way. But yeah. another thing you brought up was having the right staff, which I think is important, um, but realizing that your staff or your current staff also may have some capabilities you're not realizing. And for example, when I was at a conference, someone challenged me and said, you scare me when you talk about technician product verification or tech mm -hmm. check tech, because yeah. – um, I don't think technicians can do a better job than pharmacists. And I said, that's really interesting that you say that because every single study I ever read has indicated that technicians do just as good of a job, um, if not better, because really the pharmacist should really be focused in on patient care services and thinking through the drug therapy to optimize it for the patient. And I said, if you're doing that, your mind can't do two different things. And you're really using two different parts of the brain to really think critically and those that are, you know, where you're actually doing a, a product verification. And I think technicians are uh, wonderful um, assets um, to the pharmacy practice because if we optimize them and give them more responsibility, one, they're more professionally satisfied, but for sure we'll be more professionally satisfied as we take care of patients. So 
So I appreciate that that comment that you made. So tell me, you know, with the Iowa program, what were some of the key learning points that as you developed the program that you identified? Um, yeah. You know, it's a great question, and I can spend probably hours, and some of you that may be listening um, know that I can spend more than enough hours <laughs> talking about this. Um, and, you know, I think you know, we had a separate project manager, so I would say I I, uh, I I did have quite a bit of conversation with our pharmacies that were involved, but we did have um, another individual that was really working very closely with the sites. But I know throughout the several years that we were conducting um, the the what we would claim is the new practice model initiative and the research that went along with it, um, there's a couple pieces. I think, um, you know, there was a lot of concern, kind of what you're talking about from a technician's viewpoint. And I would say most technicians were very well supportive of this. Um, and I think, you know, then it really looked for us back to what the pharmacist's role was and were they ready to to really capture those um, new opportunities with patients. You know, if, if you were to take a pharmacist from, um, from if you will, that verification um, uh, step in the in the workflow and move them to really right in front of the patient. Um, what kind of things can they do? And I think we spent a lot of time helping pharmacists understand. Um, I, I think many of them knew what their current opportunities were there, whether it was completing some of their um, their MTM cases that they had um, through all the various platforms that are out there. Um, but the, or, or maybe vaccinations, but like how, what more is available? And I think we really helped guide those pharmacists and help them realize there's a lot of opportunity, um, some of which had reimbursable services to them and some that we knew were maybe part of a larger, a larger, better um, model that pharmacy needed to move into. Um, but that was tough though, too, because I would say early on, some of the pharmacies thought, Hey, this was going to be an initiative that was going to free up the time of uh, free up their time for hours on end. And I think they quickly became aware that you know implementing technician product verification wasn't going to do that. It was going to allow them though to have maybe thirty to forty five minutes a little bit more um, available to them to really engage in, in in how they looked at working with their patients. So um, you couldn't necessarily step away or maybe move off site or do something over in the MTM consultation room, if you will, um, for two or three hours. It was something where, okay, I now have 15 or 20 minutes that I can really make a great intervention and maybe work with a patient that's struggling with a new diagnosis, or um, they just really were struggling with using their medications. And um, I know even the board of pharmacy involved um, was happy to know that, you know, these pharmacies were actually performing a heightened level of counseling that was already, we know was required for patient counseling uh, requirements by the board, but they now are actually having the most meaningful interventions that they could. Um, outside of that, I would also say a lot of the sites we we worked with realized that you know this this model was more than just implementing a new basket system, um, and it was a struggle for a while. Um, if you if you've read some of the literature that we've put out about the new practice model, um, whether that I, I, we had some data published in the Journal of the American Pharmacists Association uh, uh, in the spring of 2018, um, I would say what we also saw was that. These these pharmacies, you know, it, it really was um, working with software vendors to understand where and how can you put that pharmacy technician in a new role. Um, 
and where also where we where were we using um, where were we using actually the the best utilization of our technology, whether it's a, a, a robotic filling machine to barcode scanning. There was a lot of other components that needed to be addressed before you implemented it. And I would say there were some sites that weren't quite ready to do that or their software vendors weren't willing to work with them as quickly as I think what we, we wanted. Um, so there was that aspect of, of technology that was essential, but also at the same time, there's this readiness on behalf of the pharmacist as well as the technician to make it happen. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree, too. And I think some of the key learning points that I wrote down that that I just want to reemphasize is one is, you know, once the pharmacist is freed up, you're right. I noticed, you know, working with some of the sites as well that they were saying, well, what do I do now? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, the pharmacist, because, you know, for I mean, we're, we're human beings and, and we, we react to the way our work environment is. And if that's the way our work environment has been for all these years. It's tough to make that change. And if you've been in that role and and like I said, you know, now being a, having a master's in, in pharmacy administration with an emphasis on adult education, I studied, you know, how do people think? So, you know, the cognitive skills, and I can tell you, it is a different mindset when you use critical thinking skills versus the um, product verification. Um, it's just a different part of the brain that you're using, and you got to really start resetting that brain for what you really should be doing, and that is opti- helping patients optimize their their therapy. So that is a good learning point because pharmacists have got to start thinking about how do I do a workup of the drug therapy in the time that I have and really thinking quickly on your feet. So I appreciate that. The other thing I thought was interesting when you said pharmacists thought it would free up hours and hours on end, and you're right. It doesn't because it just your hours are being used up to do the things that we were supposed to be doing, and it's yep. just becoming more efficient. And, and we were one of the sites that asked if we could have not only tech, check, tech, but tech check robot, um, because we did utilize the technology, which is the next thing I want to say is that with the technology, we went from really zero technology over the last five, five to six years to having four robots within our practice now. And, and, uh, and we have, we try to optimize it. We're just running out of space now. Right. But we optimize it because it has improved the efficiency so much and the technicians do a much better job of really managing the dispensing functions, which has really freed up the pharmacist. And the last thing I will say is not only optimizing the technology, optimizing you know the vendors that you work with from a workflow perspective, but also now setting up your pharmacy to take advantage of the time that you have and looking at how you optimize medication synchronization, but also yep. the end point of medication synchronization is the appointment-based model. So getting used to getting the patients coming in or doing a pre-call verification of therapy, but having the pharmacist have an assessment finished or prepared. So when the patient comes in, it's very efficient time with that patient um, to help them optimize their therapy. So those are things that I definitely saw from my perspective um, with my own practice. So my next question, Anthony, is that, you know, there's a lot of attention and urgency, as we just talked about, about transforming community pharmacy practice because the, the current business model is not sustainable. Um, so my question is, um, tell me from your perspective how technician product verification really supports practice transformation. You know, we got all this um, emphasis right now um, with transformation in community pharmacy. We got Flip the Pharmacy program going on, which is a grant from the Community Pharmacy Foundation to uh, CPSN USA, where, you know, up to 500 pharmacies um, will be part of this program in the first quarter for the next two years to transform their practice Tell me where you see the role of technician product verification. 
Yeah, great, great question again, Randy. And, um, you know, you mentioned the Community Pharmacy Foundation. I, I will just um, put a small little quick uh, plug in um, for, for their support. Also, CPF um, was essential um, over the years of supporting the Iowa Pharmacy Association as we pursued um, this work with the new practice model, as did our colleagues at the National Association of Chain Drug Stores as well as our friends at McKesson as well, um, as well as um, our QIO Telogen for the state of Iowa. I mean, there was, as you can imagine, this is a, uh, an opportunity that pharmacies can really capitalize on um, to look at transforming their practice. So, so really to your point, I, I would emphasize though that um, TPV, TPV is, is, is it's, it's an optional opportunity. Um, it's not something that's required. Um, it's not something that's here to replace pharmacist positions. And in Iowa, we have made sure there's safeguards that if a pharmacy chose to use TPV, it's not meant to supplant the role of the pharmacist. So I want to be clear um, about that. Um, there's definitely been concerns there, um, but we've made sure in working with the Board of Pharmacy that that's not going to happen. But really back to your to your question, I would say, you know, TPV is... It's one one option that's in your toolbox. Um, you've referenced a couple other things um, like medication synchronization or the appointment-based model. A lot of pharmacies are using that as a great workflow model um, to improve efficiencies. And I think everybody on the line or that's listening knows that we still literally, we do need to fill medications. We need to, to help people get access to these life-saving medications, um, but we need to do that in a more efficient way. So when you look across the board, um, and you look at what our, some of our colleagues are doing at our national and even regional chains, they're all using different workflow efficiency models, whether it's, whether it's a central fill model, whether there's, um, you know, leveraging offsite, um, offsite opportunities to do verification of, of the, the information submitted from, from the prescription, whether it's um, trying to pull and tease out all the phone calls coming into the pharmacy, the use of robotics. So to me, I would say it is one more tool in the toolbox, but you also have to recognize that there is, um, it is a process that's going to take a little bit more um, internal evaluation, like we've kind of talked about. It, it's going to add up to make sure that you have the right staff, you're at the right people on the bus to to move that model forward. And that's that's also some of those other key learning points is that you're going to have technicians, you're going to have pharmacists that um, that may come and go from your from your practice. That um, can you still you know implement this model? Kind of taking some of those other factors into consideration. Um, and and so I think it is what what you want it to be, um, but it is a great opportunity I think for everybody to consider. Yeah, thank you very much. And one of the things is you talked about the different stakeholders that are really important in this uh, movement we had in Iowa. And I, I wrote down as you were talking, it takes a village. But yeah. you know, and, and the thing I will add to that is, and and I know people that have been on this podcast are probably tired of me hearing this, and but I use it everywhere. We're no longer in the evolution of community pharmacy. We're in the revolution of community pharmacy. And I say that with a lot of excitement because I see more and more stakeholders and resources really being put back into community pharmacy, which I think had been a kind of a forgotten area of, of pharmacy because people didn't think necessarily that um, it was 
um, you know, a clinical um, practice. And yet I believe I, it, was, it can be one of the most clinical practices that you can have. And obviously, as the business model is changing, the more emphasis is being put on the clinical. But, you know, we're seeing colleges of pharmacy, we're seeing organizations, you know, associations, um, you know, vendors, everybody's saying, you know what, this is important uh, to the profession of pharmacy. And the practitioners themselves obviously are seeing the importance of really transforming their practice. So this revolution is, is on, it's going, and it's moving very, very fast. And that's very exciting for me to be a part of that. Also, I think I want to emphasize what you said about the safeguards, about this does not replace the pharmacist. And um, the, the, with the uh, program that we were in in Iowa, they made sure that because it wasn't where you just, okay, the pharmacist is freed up. You had to demonstrate what that pharmacist did. And if, and if you didn't have that demonstration, then you can't do you know, the technician product verification because the whole purpose of this is to um, be able to implement more patient care services and demonstrate that uh, that patient care outcome um, in the services that you provided to them. So I think that's really important. In fact, I've told people this: if we could really, you know, get this thing down as far as the um, efficiencies of product distribution, and if we could now start really emphasizing what pharmacists are really capable of doing and getting them practicing to the level of their degree. And as we start seeing the uh, third-party payers and, and the value-based reimbursement really emerge and they can recognize the value of community pharmacy, yeah. I'm going to tell you, we're going to need more pharmacists out there. Right now, everybody talks about the overage of pharmacists. Part of that overage is because long ago, 10 years ago or more, you know, there was an estimation we're going to have a shortage. That was based upon that things were going to change from a, a reimbursement perspective. Well, we're there now. And so I do believe in the future, I'm very positive about um, not just all opportunities within pharmacy, but also the opportunity within community pharmacy. And it's a new opportunity um, as you transform your practice in that perspective. And the last thing I want to say, uh, Anthony, and maybe get your comment on this is um, you talked about the different models people are using, um, you know, beyond just a, a technician product verification. And what we try to do is saying, you know, I want access to patients because without my access to patients, I can't provide care. So when I look at a patient, I don't look at it from a perspective of how much money am I losing on the dispensing because of underwater max and et cetera. Yeah. I look at a patient from a total value perspective that, you know, there's so many services I can provide for this patient that can really demonstrate value not only to the patient, but to the payer who may be footing the bill, you know, overall for the healthcare for that patient. So I want that patient to come to me, and it's up to me then to take um, to realize the opportunity I have with that patient, whether it be immunizations or disease state management, or you know, long uh, doing injections for them for certain medications that they might be taking. But how do I optimize my care of that patient? Realize um, you know the value that I can provide to them and, and overall value to the payer, but also get reimbursed for that as well too. So I want that access to that patient. And so what we've done to try to really improve the efficiencies is when that patient's in front of us, I want to make sure I do the most to take care of that patient. And thus the, the term, the, the phrase that we use, make every encounter count. Um, yeah. And the process that we use is continuous medication monitoring. So when that patient's in front of you, you're doing all that you can to make sure they're optimizing their therapy and, and doing it in a very efficient way. And the technician product verification is one of those ways or strategies to help you free up the pharmacist. So any, any other comments you want to make, Anthony? You know, you're bringing up a lot of good points, Randy, too, that, you know, things that um, our membership has talked about and I would even say um, as we've talked with other states about this, and there are several other states that 
have mimicked our model and are working either to allow such a practice to occur regularly um, or if it's through some type of application to their to their board of pharmacy but <coughs> excuse me um, but I think it comes back to the education as well. And I know a lot of the great work that we were able to do here, many of you might just think, oh, I need to make sure my technicians have some great education. And and we were able to work with CE Impact to make sure there's a, a kind of a standardization of that training to technicians. But we also made sure there was training available to the pharmacists. Um, and, you know, I think most pharmacists would say at, that were involved in this is that this is getting back to the roots of what they wanted to, why they wanted to be a pharmacist. And, and there is a lot of excitement, I think, in sites that have, that have continued to do this and will pursue it um, because of what it's allowing pharmacists to do. Um, but at the same time, we know the technicians involved are are appreciating and, and growing in these roles. Um, and some of you might have questions also about that is like, you know, how does this mean we're, we're paying technicians more? Are we, are we seeing, um, how are we, uh, how do, do we have to plan for that? And I would say there are several pharmacies that, um, you know, just said this is a, a new responsibility. There wasn't a complete immediate shift in terms of how you might be looking to pay your technicians. But yes, ultimately, at this point, I know many of the sites have um, provided a higher compensation to the checking technician in these in these programs because of that higher, um, higher level of responsibility. So I would encourage you as you think about this, you know, this can be a great opportunity to engage technicians further in professional development opportunities, leadership development, and just all around having them view their role in the pharmacy is a much more key aspect. Um, and I think we need to embrace that. So um, make sure that as you really consider what this means for your practice, that you really engage your technicians as well as your leadership, your ownership, your other pharmacists to say, is this something across the board that we want to pursue? Um, because it does take everybody on the bus that, 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 that needs to, to be behind this effort. It can't just be one or two people. It is top to bottom a team effort. I, I totally agree. And, and I want to emphasize too the important role of, of technicians. And, you know, I think in my earlier career when technicians were starting to come into practice, you were thinking they were more of an add on, um, not anymore. They are an important integrated, um, you know, person within the, within the practice that without them, the practice is not as good. And uh, and so technicians, we need to embrace technicians. We need to embrace their evolving roles just as much as we need to embrace our own evolving roles. So, yeah, um, technicians and, and the role that they play in pharmacy and all practice settings is absolutely essential to um, the future success of our profession. So, Anthony, as we end this uh, interview today, I wanted to make sure that if, if there are people who are listening on this podcast and they want to learn more about what do they need to do to get you know, maybe more involved in technician product verification or start the process to get their practice started to implement that. Um, what would you recommend as far as resources or who can they reach out to? Because um, obviously we might have people from different states, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of interest in this um, in the very near future. So could you um, give that information? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I definitely, if you're in the state of Iowa, um, please look towards the Iowa Pharmacy Association. We are in final um, preparations to launch a, a TPV toolkit um, that has a lot of different um, components to help 
you evaluate um, your your readiness and and your your timeline to implement TPV in your practice with some great access to some of the great resources that we've worked with CE Impact to develop. But um, so yes, yeah, so definitely I would encourage you to look towards your state association. I've referenced a couple other states have been mimicking our work. So maybe any listeners in the state of Wisconsin or the state of Tennessee know that um, really their state associations have worked closely with IPA and our research team. Um, to make sure pretty much the model has been mimicked to, to a T. Um, but there's at the same point, I would say there's a lot of other um, boards of pharmacy that are looking at how do you make this happen. So to me, I would say first and foremost, look to your state association, give them a call. We have regular conversations with other states about what this means and how this could look in your current state. Um, if we have any folks within the chain environment, I would, I, I already referenced our colleagues at uh, NACDS, but they have some great resources that we've helped them help for them to produce um, that really look at the same type of way. So if it's in a chain environment, I would say look towards NACDS and um, they have some great resources that we've helped develop. But really top to bottom, um, there there is plenty of information out here. If you're just a, a research junkie, um, you can take a look at a lot of the research. Randy, you were kind of referencing some of the great things in our in our literature already, whether it's from APHA, ASHP, about the impact of what TPV or Tech Check Tech also has done. So, um, but yeah, and, and outside of that, I would definitely look at CE Impact. They have worked really closely with IPA to develop a, a technician product verification certificate course um, for pharmacy technicians with also some additional education for pharmacists as well. So whoever you really wanna look to, um, we're here to help. Thanks, Anthony. And and the thing I will add too, as we as we talk about the technician role, is you know we've been focused in on how the technician can really free up the pharmacist from um, really taking more control of the dispensing functions, but we also have that other added role where they can do a good job of triaging patients within the patient care and um, process, and also managing uh, programs or or processes such as medication synchronization. So the role can really expand into what really benefits uh, you know the practice and the patients ultimately. So. Anthony, I want to thank you for your time today and, and coming on the podcast this morning. And uh, you're doing great work. And I want to recognize the Iowa Pharmacy Association and for the work that they've done to help uh, usher this through and keep working with it. And, and just thank you for um, helping us to uh, you know transform our practices. So thanks, Anthony. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate your time. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.